this episode, Rag and Court Talk have a special guest. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another Beer Fandom Podcast of Brad and Court Talk. I'm Brad. And I'm Court. Joining us tonight is award-winning composer Douglas Pipes. You have heard his scores in movies such as Krampus and Trick or Treat. His newest soundtrack is The Babysitter, which drops on Netflix this Friday the 13th. Thanks for coming out and talking Hi. to us, Douglas. Yeah, hi, how are you guys? We are doing oh, great. We're great. I have to say, I love Krampus. It was a, a great movie. I have loved Krampus for a long time, so when the movie came out, I was right there to see it. And yeah, love the movie. Love the soundtrack for that one. It was perfect. I was actually listening to it again today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was a, a ton of fun to work on um, and sprinkle it with little... Christmas tidbits here and there, kind of Christmas cookie style. So much of them. It was so great. So The Babysitter premieres on Netflix on Friday the 13th. What can you tell us about yeah. this project? So uh, it, yeah, it comes out. I just saw it last night. They had a premiere. It is a really fun throwback comedy horror movie. So it's um, it's pretty crazy, but it's crazy fun. I, I would recommend seeing it with friends and turning it up loud. Uh, I don't think anyone last night was not smiling the whole, the whole time. It's a fantastic script, which is an incredibly visionary director. There's so much to take in uh, with his style. It's really something. Um, I was brought in last May and it was a, a kind of a quick turnaround. And if you haven't seen the trailer for this one, definitely go out and look at it because it is the trailer is hilarious. There's just parts in there is like you know they have a there's a babysitter, well there's a kid, there's a party at the house. It just and it goes downhill from there. But yeah, it was, <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. But I must say, because before there was a trailer, the first time uh, right as I was brought on board, they sent me the cut of the film. And if you don't see the trailer, it's pretty great to. See to let things unfold how they unfold. So I recommend everyone watching the movie first if they can, because it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty fun how it unfolds. Okay, we'll see. I dig that. It. We have too many trailers now that completely ruin movies because it shows too much. So I like the way you think. Good. Well, I, I, I understand they, that they're trying to get people to, in to watch the movie, but if you're already invested and don't need uh, to be sold on watching the movies, then don't watch the trailer. If you need to, definitely watch the trailer. But if you uh, have your mind set on a good time, just watch the movie. Turn it up loud and invite your friends over. Definitely. And it's going to be Friday the 13th, so people are definitely going to watch it. They want to be creeped yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. hope so. <laughs> so music is a key ingredient for setting the stage for a film or TV show. Like, I can't tell you the number of times that me and Brad have sat watching Battlestar, and we've just been thrilled just listening to the battle music playing in the background. Can you talk about your background and what drew you to become a composer? So my personal background is I uh, was playing music with a group, uh, you know, band, and I had an opportunity to score an independent film for a French filmmaker, uh, my friend Alan Ruffier. And I really enjoyed it. I liked being sort of responsible for my own output and creativity and schedules and all that. Um, and when I finished the film, I was so, and a couple of his films, I was so uh, incredibly into film scoring, but I wanted to be better at it. So I stopped 
because I was getting jobs, but I stopped doing that and went off to study um, orchestration and composition at university. And from there, I met a filmmaker who was at UCLA, and I did all his student films, uh, Gil Kennan. And one of his student films caught the attention of uh, Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg, and he landed a film called Monster House, and he did The Unthinkable, which is to bring an unknown composer onto his $100 million movie. And the folks at Image Movers, Steve Starkey and Jack Rapke and Robert Zemeckis, they shepherded the project, or shepherded me through the project, knowing that the studio um, was going to be taking quite a, quite a risk. And so they set it up where I could complete the score, write it, and the studio would have the opportunity to listen to the music and decide whether it worked for them or not. And fortunately, they decided it did. And from there, uh, Michael Doherty saw Monster House and liked it and hired me to do Trick or Treat and then Krampus. And now uh, this latest one, The Babysitter. And I've done some stuff in between. Okay. Since a babysitter is a horror romp about a satanic babysitter, how did the premise of that movie affect doing the score? Well, because there's a lot of comedy in it, there's also there are also songs and song style cues. So I work with uh, I have a very talented collaborator, John Clement Wood, and we divvied up some of the work where I was focusing on some of the. Um, some of the orchestral aspects of the score and then some of the other synth aspects. And he was focusing on the rhythm machine and some of the tape effect uh, cues in the, in the score and just some other um, beat oriented um, cues. And so in the case of this film, because it's comedy, there's a, a lot of the music isn't horror music, but then when things turn south, it's, starts turning into a horror score. So the first maybe quarter or a third of it isn't a horror movie. It's a coming-of-age uh, movie. So and is there a, a theme to the music for this movie, much like you know, the use of bells and stuff like you had that with uh, in Krampus? Yeah, so this one, there, without giving too much away, there's a, there is a, shall we say, a sort of a cult-like, I think the trailer tells this, or the the byline tells it, but it's a um, like a satanic type cult. And so for that, there is a, a theme for that. And there are some themes for the main character who's, you know, essentially coming of age and he is getting a little old for a babysitter and he knows it and his friends know it. And um, there's some, there are themes for the relationship between the babysitter and the kid because he idolizes her and there are, uh, they have, they have sort of a, a sci-fi fantasy game they play between them. So there are themes for that. There, there are four or five different specific themes that are developed throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And then there are also just straightforward horror, uh, themes as things go really wrong. Okay, so question, what is your work process like when you're composing for a film? First thing is to watch the film and really take it in and then 
have a discussion with the director and talk about uh, the type of score, the sound, you know, maybe, maybe some high level discussions of instrumentation, um, what the score is intended to do, what it needs to do, what, you know, how the score could help the film. And then just start coming up with melodic ideas, thematic ideas, and work, working my way through it and uh, trying to figure out how, you know, mapping out the whole score so that there is cohesion, that themes have the ability to, to be developed and work in a variety of uh, scenes so that they, you know, that they really um, help tell the story as they are varied. Mm-hmm. Okay. What tools do you use when you're developing a score? Well, I have a studio here and I sort of sit down first on piano. And then in the case of this one, there's a lot of analog synthesizer on this. So I did a lot of that and uh, just come up with either piano themes or synthesizer themes, or I would sit down. I also use a complete orchestral mock-up library so I might go through a string theme pass and just sort of come up with the basic kernels for ideas and then uh, when it comes time to sync it to picture just start working against the picture and trying things out and seeing what has the right flow tempo wise melody wise feeling wise uh, and start sketching it out and then just sketch and refine sketch and refine okay um, I know in the past, um, Brad has had the opportunity to, to interview a film editor. And like, how is that different for, for you? Before, uh, with the film editor, they told us they would have days of film and then they would just end up with like 20 minutes. Uh, is, that, is it kind of the same for you um, when you're doing composition? Do you have like reams of music that never sees the light of day? Yeah, it would it would be the the equivalent of I might sit down for six hours and play music to get two minutes of music that I'm going to use or a minute of music that I'm going to use in some cases, wow. 30 seconds of music that I'm going to use. Meaning it can be just keep uh, experimenting until you find what you want. So it's similar in that way, but I, there isn't fully produced music to that degree, but like, like they would shoot a film and have all kinds of footage to make sure because a lot of that is just different camera angles, different, they're, they're choosing different camera angles for this, maybe the same shot or the same scene. Um, but in my case, I'll compose music and come up with, you know, different ideas. And in some scenes I will try two passes or three passes at it in different ways to see what works. And then, and then I'll, I'll have fully developed cues that don't see the light of day. Ah. <laughs> Do you go back to the well a lot with some things that you've developed, but it's not quite right for this, but it might be right for something down the road? I have done that. That's a, that is something that I understand other composers have done, but it's, it's really only when you come up with something and you think, wow, this is a good idea. It doesn't work here. Let me save it for something else. Cool. I have notebooks full of story ideas that are like that too. This is a good idea. I can't uh-huh. do it right now, but later yeah. on, I will come back to <laughs> yeah. this at some point. Yeah. In fact, I just uh, I just worked on a, a a pretty 
a micro-budget independent um, film last summer, and I wrote a score for it. And, and they didn't have money for anything. And there, there were some friends that I'd worked with before. And I had some uh, demos from a previous uh, project that I was demoing for, but they were full orchestral, at least orchestral strings. And I was able to, some of the, some of the shots and scenes that they had were so similar to a project that I demoed that um, I was able to use them across and uh, sort of get them out into the world. So what is the most challenging thing about your work and what's the most rewarding? The most challenging is, you know, it's, music is something that just, it's hard to describe. It's hard to explain. So you get a project and then the first time you meet with a a director and play things back, there's a decent chance they'll have, you're really starting from uh, like a a blindness and you'll play something back. And uh, it takes a, it takes a lot of um, listening to kind of, hear things for a first time and start understanding them, especially when you, and there's been music in there that you've heard temporary music and you kind of like how that works. And now you're hearing something that's different and you need to, the, the filmmakers need to erase their mind. So working through that with filmmakers is, you know, that's just a process that, that all film makers these days have to, to do. And it, it can work. You know, most most filmmakers, it's it's not a problem. It just becomes, uh, in the in those instances, trying to figure out if there was something that you bring in, and the conversation turns to, well, there was the other thing was doing something that we like. You know, how do, how do we meet halfway, or how do we accomplish what that was doing? And the best results are are understanding what they liked about something and being able to achieve that same goal without going down the path of, of trying to be similar to what was there before. The most, some of the most rewarding uh, instances are coming up with something that no one saw coming and they realize that that's a really effective approach and you get the, the feedback that everyone is so happy that all of a sudden maybe there was a scene that, that um, was still sort of feeling like it was in process, and now the music made it feel more final. That when that happens, that's that's quite rewarding. Awesome. Now, question for you: When it comes to composing, who would you say inspires you? Well, I grew up uh, obviously listening to John Williams. I'm a, also a huge Bernard Herrmann fan, but I also listen to and uh, outside of film music, a lot of classical music. And I'm a, a huge Stravinsky and Bartok fan. I'm a Mahler fan. So that's that's sort of the deep well to go to, um, especially Stravinsky and Bartok mm-hmm. for just the, the uh, crazy amount of really wonderful music that they did. What piece of music are you most proud of? I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Um, there is a piece of music that I, that I always feel I'm the most proud of. That's never gotten out there yet. <laughs> so, um, 
that doesn't really help in the context of this. Um, I was obviously very proud of Monster House having it the first big orchestral score I had ever done. Um, so something about the very first big orchestral score um, is very dear to you. Cool. All right. I, I have a have a crazy question for you, so bear with me. Right. Um, so of all the movies and shows that we've seen over the years, if you could actually go back in time and compose the music for the movie or TV show, what would it be and why? I, 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 I've never really thought about that. Hmm. I don't know. I, I would, I would say this. It's, I, I would love to do big sci-fi movie and it's a dumb answer to say, you know, one of the big, big ones, but I would love to, I would love to do a sci-fi movie. I, you know, if that's a, uh, an answer, I don't know that I would, yeah. I don't know that there's one that I would say it could, because it sounds a little like I would try to improve upon it. And right. my favorite ones are ones that I wouldn't think I need, need improving upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but something, you know, uh, I would have taken a crack at 2001. Would have loved ah. to take a crack at that movie. Awesome. So if there's a 2001 remake, you're all up for doing the soundtrack for it. <laughs> That's right. And, That's right. And, uh, and hopefully the, what, what happens wouldn't happen or what happened the first time wouldn't happen to me. Uh, <laughs> or it, Alex North, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, that's a good thing about sci-fi movies also is a lot of them have these epic soundtracks that are in them. And it, cause it's such a sweeping sound. Like we always default back to the, the, the remake of Battlestar Galactica, the series, the soundtrack in that TV series, just, it gets to us every time that we watch it. So, and it's just one of the things that stays with you. And, you know, especially like that with Star Wars, too. It's a- epic soundtrack. You, you know that right off the bat. You know exactly where it came from. And it's such a lot with a lot of sci-fi movies. They do have those sounds going on. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with horror movies, too. I mean, you can't mistake the Krampus soundtrack for anything else. Because it's just... I, I heard that one day. I would just randomly had some stuff playing on YouTube and I wasn't listening. I wasn't watching what it was. And one of the one of the themes came up. I was like, I know that movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You uh, you do get to be sort of more epic thematic in a sci-fi movie than um the, the horror movies don't you don't get to have such grand gestures. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it would be fun to do one with just yeah, just big epic grand thematic gestures would be really fun. Uh can you tell us about any new projects you have coming up? Uh, right now, I'm finishing up. A, I'm I'm going to do a live orchestra to picture silent film score. So, uh, concert in Dallas with the Dallas Chamber Symphony next Tuesday, and I'm still um, really working hard to finish the score because uh, it was a tight schedule. So, um, yeah, that's going to happen next Tuesday. All right, so, in Dallas. Yeah, so if you're in Dallas, check that out. And how can people follow you on social media? Are you on Twitter or Instagram? Twitter is Douglas Pipes. Instagram is at the Pipes. I have a website, douglaspipes.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Those are the main ones. 
Well, that's all the questions we got for you. We want to thank you for coming out and talking to us, and we look forward to checking out Babysitter when it comes out on the 13th. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Um, thank you so much for taking the time, and I hope everyone really enjoys the Babysitter as much as I have. I'm oh, sure they will. Absolutely. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. All right, you too. Thanks. Thank you. you. All right, that was really interesting to talk with him about doing the scores for movies. I mean, it's a big part of a show. It oh, sets for sure. the mood and everything. Like, it's one of my favorite parts of any show or movie. Uh, like because we like we talked about earlier, it's what draws you in. It can set the whole tone as long as it doesn't, you know, drown out everything else. Like the music is everything. Right. But music can set the theme for everything, and it can haunt you forever in a day. Because tell yeah. me, when you're out in the ocean, what theme song do you hear? I, I don't go in the ocean because <laughs> dun 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 dun. Exactly. No, thank exactly, you. Exactly right there. Yeah. I could tell you a story. Well, I do go in the ocean, but um, I, my feet always touch the ground. So way back when I was uh, in, when I lived in Florida, when I was in high school and stuff like that, I was out on Daytona Beach and we were surfing once. So I'm out, out surfing and I fall off and I see this fin swim by and I immediately hear this music in my head. I'm freaking out because there's a shark that's going to kill me. It's the size of, you know, whatever. And it's I'm just waiting to die, basically. And it was a dolphin. <laughs> I was going to say, are you serious? <laughs> I, but it was one of the... I just saw the fin and it was, you know... As I fell, I, I just it was one of those moments. But then he swam by and it was a dolphin. I'm like, oh my god! I just heard the whole Jaws theme right there in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the theme can be everything. The score can be everything. And not to beat Battlestar to death, but those battle <laughs> scenes were always amazing, especially because of all the drums and just the music. It, everything music is so good. And the bagpipes can't forget the bagpipes. <laughs> yes. Oh, the bagpipes, um, you made me think of Outlander because he also does right. music for Outlander, yeah. too. And if you can't tell our favorite TV show ever, the remake of Battlestar Galactica. It uh, is. I am looking forward to the babysitter that comes out on the 13th, on Friday the 13th. It looks great. Uh, I just, <laughs> I, I can understand going into it with not seeing the trailer, and chances are I probably wouldn't have watched the trailer if we weren't talking to him today, And but... It was just what I, I had to watch it to, you know, get a little bit of feel in there. But yeah, it's it's it looks like it's going to be a really fun show to watch, especially on Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, absolutely! I'm I'm in it. I'm not in it, but I'm in for it. Let's you're, go. You're in Let's for watch it. This. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you haven't done it already, head on over to purefandom.com. Check out some of the other killer articles over there. A lot of awesome writers filling up the site. Uh, be sure to check out some of our other amazing podcasts that we have. We, we're uh, doing recaps of Van Helsing and No End House on Sci-Fi, which has another amazing score to it. Oh, my God, that thing sets everything. And a bunch of other stuff. We've got a lot of interviews that we've been punching out here lately. So that's uh -huh. it. And I wrangled Brad into doing Riverdale with me this season, so I'm excited for that. If you haven't seen Riverdale before, check it out on Netflix. It's really good. Oh, yes. Check it out. It's good. I'm watching it. It's fine. It's good. See? Because there are bikers and everything, so Brad likes it. Oh, oh Yeah, we'll have to talk about that on our recap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, I'm at Jindev, and he's Brad CB. Be sure to follow at Pure Fandom as well, just to keep up to date on the latest articles. And I'm telling you, they are posting so much, especially with all the new TV shows and the movies that are coming out. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, you're going to find Pure Fandom. They have a 
awesome page with lots of people. And we have Brad and Court Talk podcast where we talk about just about everything under the sun, movies, books, music, whatever. And Van Helsing, if you love Van Helsing, we have a group for that. Van Helsing Pure Fandom fan group. Is, it, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Look for it on Facebook. You'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. Van Helsing, Pure Fandom, you'll find us there. We have a nice large group over there. We have a couple of the actors in the group, and sometimes the producers will stop by, too, and just drop little pictures or whatever. Yep. Sure enough. And so next time, what's your favorite horror theme? That's it for this episode. Head on over to purefandom.com for more awesome content.